Welcome to another episode of the Impel Four Podcast. Today I have with me Mr. Bill Bell. I don't know if y'all can tell I'm nervous. I'm in front of a legend. Come on. Come on. <laughs> he's not a Durham legend. Well, let's roll. He's not a Durham legend, but uh, legend, but he's a legend. <laughs> How you doing? Doing well. Glad to be here this morning. I'm glad to have you here. Now we officially met in Chapel Hill um, at a symposium, I guess you want to call it, Barber, Barber Talk. And um, first time I saw you was at Now Church. Yeah, at, exactly. Uh, yeah, business event, but we didn't get to speak. Yeah. So um, I always want to have some, talk to somebody that was into politics or in politics uh, to give me a better understanding of it. So it was a perfect time to ask you. Well, so, great, great. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about yourself. I know you're from Washington, D.C. or born there? Yeah, well, I, I was born in Washington, D.C., but I... Really grew up in Winston-Salem, North okay. Carolina. Finished mm-hmm. elementary school, high school in Winston. Uh, after I finished high school in Winston, <clears throat> I went to Washington to attend Howard University. Okay. And I graduated from Howard in 61 with a BS in electrical engineering. Mm-hmm. I happened to be in ROTC, so I was commissioned. Well, my first job after I left Howard was with Martin Marietta in Orlando, Florida. Mm-hmm. But I was in ROTC, so I was commissioned as a first lieutenant in the Army, so I went to Fort Monmouth, New Jersey, where I served for about two years. Mm-hmm. And after I got out of service, I was working at the Research and Development Lab, and I stayed on there for a while and went to graduate school at New York University, where I got my master's mm-hmm. in electrical engineering. And I got an offer from IBM Corporation here in Research Triangle Park in 1968, so I moved to, to Durham in 1968 to begin working with the IBM Corporation. Mm. So how long was you there? I retired from IBM in 1996. Okay. So um, I, I came to IBM assuming I'd probably be there four or five years because IBM at that time was a company that sort of stood for I've been moved. So if you were going to move <laughs> up in the corporation, <laughs> right. you tend to move. So I figured I'd be here four or five years. Mm-hmm. And I, I got involved in uh, some community activities. I happened to be president of my neighborhood association. I was living at that time. We were living at, in Emerywood, the states. And there was a zoning matter that came up that uh, the community was against. And since I was president of the association, they'd asked me to sort of argue our case mm. before the um, elected officials. And although we were in Durham County, we were outside the city of Durham, so we really were in Durham County, and the matter came before the Durham Board of County Commissioners. Mm-hmm. And in arguing our case, it took us almost a year, and we ended up losing. Mm-hmm. But I was probably stupid enough, young enough, naive enough to say, if you can't beat them, join them. So I, I decided to run for the Durham Board of County Commissioners in 1972, and I got elected. So okay. that story says, went on from there. So right now, you, right now you're stepping on all my questions because I was going to ask you, <laughs> how did you get involved in politics? So that tells me that. That tells me that. So, how, how is, so did you have any other uh, uh, background in politics? No, not really. As I said, when I, when I came here, I figured I'd be here about four years, four or five years, mm-hmm. and then move on with, with IBM Corporation. Mm-hmm. But uh, as I said, I got involved in, in sort of community activities. I had some friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, my next door neighbor, he's deceased now, Willie Lovett, mm-hmm. was very involved in uh, community activities in, in Durham. And we had another friend who was working at IBM that ran for the city council uh, doing between 68 and 72. And I did some things like handing out leaflets and stuff like that for him. But mm-hmm. furthest thing from my mind in terms of actually getting involved as elected official. But, you know, things happen, and uh, that's that's what happened to me. I got it. So you was 
before you became the mayor, you was on just on the board. Uh, no, before I became the mayor, I was elected to the Durham Board of County Commissioners. Right. And the Durham Board of County Commissioners is the body that governs all of Durham County. Mm -hmm. uh, its primary responsibilities are funding for schools, the sheriff's department, the jails, and pretty much anything that's outside of the city. And it's an elected board. And at that time, um, it was a five-member board, still is a five-member board. And the terms were for two years. Mm -hmm. And it was a partisan board. And when I, when I say partisan, you ran as a Democrat or Republican or independent. I'm a lifelong Democrat, so I ran as a Democrat. Uh, and as I said, I was able to get elected. And I served on that board from 1972 to 1994. And I was chairman of the Durham Board of County Commissioners from 1982 to 1994. Uh, one of the issues that we got involved in at that time, uh, you had two separate school systems. You had a Durham City school system and a Durham County school system. And there were issues that were coming up. and the, the inevitable is um, we took the initiative, we've been Durham Board of County Commissioners, to merge the two school systems into what is now the Durham Public School System. Okay. And that was done in 1994. Well, I lost an election in 1994, and people said I lost because I sort of led the effort to merge the schools. Well, I told them I lost because I ain't got enough votes. That's the bottom, right. bottom line to right. it. But anyway, I lost, and I came back and I ran again in 1996 for the Durham Board of County Commissioners. I got elected, and then I ran again in 1998 and got reelected. And in 2000, I decided I wasn't going to run again. Mm. I had retired from IBM in 1996. I began working for UDI Community Development Corporation, where I'm still working now. And uh, I figured my political life was pretty much set aside. And in 2001, some people I'd known for over a period of time, socially, politically, business, came to me and asked me if I would consider running for the mayor, city of Durham. Mm -hmm. And that was hard for me, because I, I said I pretty much put all that aside, and plus I knew the guy that was the incumbent mayor, and I had, had support, in fact, I went to his, his uh, announcement when he was announcing he was running again. But after thinking about it and talking to people, I decided to go ahead and, and run for the mayor in 2001, and I was lucky enough to get elected, and so I served as the mayor of Durham from 2001 to 2017. Uh, eight terms, two-year terms, uh, happened to be the longest-serving mayor in Durham, and I decided I was not going to run again after 2017. Yeah. So what made the people like you so much? Well, I, I can't say they like me. <laughs> you know, I guess it's choices. And, you know, the good thing about that is nobody makes you do these jobs. Mm -hmm. uh, and nobody makes you run for office. You know, right. like I say, people ask, but ultimately you, you make the decision. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people make their decisions as whether or not they want to vote for you or not vote mm -hmm. for you. I've mm -hmm. just been fortunate, uh, except for the time I lost the election in 94, that I've been successful in all my elections. And as I said, I came back in 1996 and got, got reelected to the same board, so. Right, it was something about you, because well, you said reelected re seven times or eight times? Uh, I was elected, I was reelected eight times eight for times. the city council city as council. mayor, because okay. the mayor is a two-year term, okay. whereas the other council members run for four years. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, we're in an election now, period now, if you recall. And when I was on the board of county commissioners, it was a two-year term, so people ran every two years. So I was elected really thir 26 years, 13 times mm -hmm. as a as commissioner. They've changed it now. Now commissioners serve for four years. I told them they did that after I left. But <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, so I, I've, I've been in quite a few elections mm -hmm. from 72 to uh, 2017. So what was your some of your uh, hardest challenges as a mayor? Well, you know, I, I, first of all, I think understanding the role of a mayor, people mm -hmm. 
have different thoughts and ideas about what a mirror does. Mm -hmm. And in North Carolina, mirrors are sort of different than what you might find in large cities like Atlanta and, and Washington, New York, and et cetera. But I, I say the mayor is the first among equals in the sense that uh, the mayor leads the council in its board meetings and makes certain appointments and assignments and things like that, but still only has one vote. Mm -hmm. So when I say you first, you're first among equals, you, you provide the leadership, but you still have one, only one vote. So if you're really going to get things accomplished, policies and et cetera, uh, you have to have at least three other members on the board, on the city council to be with you. Uh, fortunately, for most of the things that we dealt with, uh, and I'm not saying all the things I pushed, but mm -hmm. things that I was involved in, I, I had the support of at least three three or more of my council members, so we were able to get things done. Right. So what what is the difference between Durham and a bigger city as far as being Well, mayor? North Carolina is considered to be, uh, even from the state legislature, uh, considered local elected officials are considered to be part-time elected officials. Mm -hmm. And, for example, for in the county, county commissioners, are they part-time? And since part-time, you're supposed to be part-time. Depends on what you do. It gets to be full-time. Right. So what we do is we elect a professional, and the professional we elect uh, hire as a county manager, the city attorney, and city clerk. And they run the day-to-day -day roles of the county. Mm -hmm. Same thing is true with the mayor. The mayor uh, and city council elects a city manager, a city attorney, and a city clerk. And they run the day-to-day -day, uh, responsibilities of the county. We set the policy. Whereas if you go to a city like Washington or Atlanta or New York, there the mayors are considered to be full-time. So what happens is you find that the mayors have different authorities. The mayor will maybe elect the police chief, the fire chief, the treasurer, et cetera, et cetera. And I think what works best for North Carolina is that there's a certain amount of stability. So if a mayor goes out of office, it doesn't mean the city manager goes out of office. It doesn't mean the county, you know, the city attorney goes out of office unless the new board wants to wants to fire them. Mm -hmm. So you, you've got that stability. Whereas when you go to the larger cities, if the mayor leaves, then the police chief changes, the fire fire chief changes, and you just get a whole lot of different changes. And I think it's proven to be uh, very effective in North Carolina because you don't have issues of. Uh, draft and you know a lot of un undoings that you might find in the larger cities. Mm -hmm. uh, we have AAA bond ratings. And what during AAA bond rating means that's the highest rating that a municipality can get. So when a municipality issues a bond issue, say like for schools, say they want to do $50 million for schools, mm -hmm. they go to the bond market. They get the best interest rate because they have a AAA rating. If they didn't have a AAA, they get something less than the best interest rate, which accrues to the taxpayer and paying off the bond. So it's good to have uh, that type of rating. But to get that, it means that you have a very financial institution. Mm -hmm. It's very stable. Uh, they've looked at you very closely and what you do, and they say, well, you deserve the highest rating. So we had that for the city of Durham, and when I was on the county commission, we had for the for the county commissions also. So And you don't necessarily see that in the larger cities because of the other issues that, that go on with that. Okay. Does that have anything to do with... Uh you see, a lot of times, teachers want pay raises, and now that, that's a different that's that's a different issue. Okay, uh, different in the sense that, as I said, if you look at the responsibilities mm -hmm. of the board of county commissioners, if you look at the responsibilities of city councils, mm -hmm. uh, the state legislature is the one that gives us our authority. Okay, 
they tell you what counties can do and what you can't do and what you can't do. Tell cities what you can do and what you can't do, what authority you have. For the counties, they have assigned to count, they being the state legislature, have assigned to the counties the ability to provide funding for the local school systems. So the county will provide funding for the buildings. They will give a supplemental pay for the teachers. Uh, the teachers get paid statewide, so the state has a certain scale that they pay the teachers. And North Carolina is known to be a right-to-work state mm -hmm. in the sense that we really don't have, we have unions and we don't have unions. Uh, we have unions that come together, but you don't have to join a union if you, mm -hmm. if you don't want to. And a union can't stop you from doing your job. I mean, so in that sense, but they can help push your causes. And that's what you've seen recently in Durham, where the sanitation workers uh, were saying, we need more money, and the union came and you know, fought that case and uh, did that. So it's, it's, it's not that you can't have unions. It's just that they have different amounts of authority and what they can do and not do, and that's because of what the state legislature does. Well, so what, what is your take on teachers pay raise or well or I, how, I, I've, I've, I've always supported it. Okay. And, and again as a mayor mm -hmm. the city council is not responsible for paying the teachers of okay. schools mm -hmm. as a county commissioner I said our responsibilities were to uh, uh, providing for the buildings uh, giving a supplemental pay to teachers just like we provided for the jail uh, the sheriff is an independent uh, authority runs on his own but still his money comes from fees and fines and whatever the county commissioners give him to run his jail. So in terms of being supportive of teachers, I've always felt that teachers should be paid much more than they are. I mean, if you think of the responsibilities that they have, uh, molding out young people who are going to be future leaders, it's, it's, it's very important. So I've been always supportive. I was supportive in when we gave them supplemental pay because we did have control over that mm -hmm. as county commissioners. And we constantly paid one of the highest supplements uh, that teachers got in the state of North Carolina. Okay. So in so in doing my research That's fine. <laughs> around two thousand seven, so I, I, I always I'm always concerned about health and living. Sure. And, and I hear a lot of things about our water mm -hmm. in every city. Sure. And I seen they had lead in the area. Uh, well, that's that's a little bit different. I'm glad you raised that because again right. it's, it's you know, it's, it's like people have different understandings of what city councils do, what county commissions do, what mm -hmm. mayors do, what right. and et cetera. Well, I asked that because I seen who he was running against. He was bringing that up to you, saying you knew about it and all that. But no, well, <laughs> I, I I can't remember who I ran against in two thousand. Thomas, oh, Thomas, Stiff, Stiff, yeah, Thomas yeah, Stiff. Oh, yeah, Thomas Stiff. Oh, Thomas Stiff. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thomas and I are good friends. We, okay. we, that was that was an interesting race yeah. that uh, that we had. But um, the city provides for the water and mm, sewer mm. in the city of Durham, and also outside the city into the county, mm. except for sewer treatment plant is in the counties in Research Triangle Park. That's under the county's jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. But uh, Durham has some of the safest water in the state of North Carolina. We always get high ratings for, mm -hmm. for our water. Uh, in terms of lead in the water, that's, that's an issue that people tried to make an issue that really wasn't an issue. Mm -hmm. uh, no, nobody got sick. No, there weren't any health problems uh, as a result of that. Now, when you said lead, I thought you were going to talk about what's been happening in the uh, recreation centers. Recent. I was going to ask about recreation yeah. too. So. And now I'm out of office now, mm -hmm. but parks and recreation does come under the responsibility of the city. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to get into details. And I don't That's say okay. I know enough yeah. about it, yeah. but uh, that is a city responsibility, and uh, I'm sure they're going to do what they need to do to correct it. Now, when you make sure we're on the same page, mm -hmm. I was going to ask you about 
as far as crime in Durham mm -hmm. or, you know, not having enough recreation centers for youth and teens? That's what I was going to ask uh, you about. Okay, well, I, I think, again, I've been out of office yeah, since 2017. Yeah. Right, right. I'm, I'm not saying I'm up on it as right. I was then. Right. But we, we had a great parks and recreation mm -hmm. uh, center. They, you can always ask for more because right. yeah. you got to pay for it. Mm -hmm. But I think the ones that we had were, were, were well run, with the exception of the issues that have come up now relative to this issue about uh, finding lead in some of the, some of the, some of the center mm -hmm. uh, places. Mm -hmm. But the city council is responsible for paying for uh, parks and recreation in, in the city of Durham. Okay, okay. So now we're talking about funding and money and this and that. I'm going to ask you, what do you think about the money going to Ukraine? Going to Ukraine? Yeah. Cause I, I, well, you know, we, we're getting into a, a, a very not local issue. Mm -hmm. It's local in the sense that it's your tax money. Right, yeah. But uh, decisions being made at the uh, executive level up in Washington, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think we should support them. I mean, I, I think there are wider implications mm -hmm. in terms of what happens if Russia takes over Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Because it's no question that if they're allowed to take over Ukraine, then the next step are other countries next to them. Mm -hmm. And those some of those countries are our allies. And uh, being a part of NATO, when I say NATO, the United States being a part of NATO, uh, they have a responsibility to protect our allies mm -hmm. if they, uh, uh, you know, something happens. So the, the, the hope is that you can stop that aggression the Russian has in Ukraine to prevent him from doing something further along mm -hmm. the line. Now I ask you these questions because me, me and you was talking before mm -hmm. we got on here. Like, politics is, I've never been into <laughs> politics, yeah. never really understood it. Matter of fact, my first time voting was, uh, I was 32, 34, okay. maybe. That's when, uh, so I, I couldn't vote. I came out of prison in yeah. 1999. And so I was believed to think that I couldn't vote because I had a felony. Yes. And in 2009, when Obama was running, uh, yeah. a guy came in a barbershop. He said, no, nah, you can, you can yeah. vote because, you know, you're yeah, not you a felon no more. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so that's what we believe. That's what we're taught that, you know, you're a felon, you can't yeah. ever vote. So that's the first time I voted. So I never really paid attention to politics. Yeah. And I try to get a better understanding of it. So what, why do you think voting is so important? Well, if, if you're concerned about the things you talked about, mm -hmm. health, water and sewer, police protection, fire protection, then I've told you who's responsible for prov providing that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the cities and counties. But the city manager, the police chief, the fire chief, they can only do so much mm -hmm. uh, if they don't have the funds. Right. And the people that decide what the funding is going to be are those elected officials on the city council, those elected officials on the county commissioners. So if your concern is that you think, you know, we should be paying our city employees more, you think we should be doing more about our streets and water and sewer and those things, then the city council is where that is. So you want to find people who at least are in agreement or supportive for your ideas. And you've got it's just as much say-so in that as the next person because you got to vote, mm -hmm. and your vote counts. So let, 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 me, let me tell you, I can tell you exactly how, how I know it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. I told you that I ran for mayor in 2001, mm -hmm. okay? I wasn't an unknown. I mean, I'd been on county commissions for 26 years, and everybody votes for the, for the county commissioners mm -hmm. as opposed to the city. You only vote if you're in the city for the city council. but if you live in the county, whether you're in the city or outside the city, you vote for the county commission. So I wasn't like an unknown. Mm -hmm. uh, when I ran for mayor in 2001, I won the primary. And the primary is where if you have a certain number of people running for office, 
you have a primary to wind it down to at least two. For example, we just had an election. A lot of people were running for mayor. I think seven, eight people were running for mayor. The top two persons that won go on to the general election, and that's what we've got now. Well, the same thing was true in my case. I, I can't recall how many people were running for mayor, but I won the primary, as did the incumbent mayor won the primary. So we went on to the general election. In the primary, I went over to North Carolina Central University's campus to, you know, talk about my campaign, et cetera. In the primary, no more than 50 people voted out of, out of Central. But I still won because he had all these other precincts. Between that time and the general election, although this was a nonpartisan election, because my opponent at that time was a Republican, and he was touting his things as a Republican, I called him the Democratic Party. At that time, it was Chairman Terry McAuliffe to come in to be supportive of my case. Well, Terry came in. We went over. We went a lot of places. One place we went back over to Central's campus to talk to the students about the importance of voting, et cetera, et cetera. Make a long story short, at the end, I won the election. I won the election by only 500 votes. 500 votes were voted in Central's precinct. Mm -hmm. They went from 50 to 500. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying all 500 voted for me. I right. did get quite a bit of them. But it's that whole issue about if somebody decided, we have, say, 50-some precincts, if 10 people in each one of those precincts had decided not to vote for me or had not gone to vote, and you could have been one of them, mm -hmm. okay, I wouldn't have won. Right. So when, when people ask, does your vote count, I, I'm a living testament that the, your vote counts. And who you vote for is even more uh, important in, in where you place your vote. All right. So does that, the funding, like you said, you needed funding for a lot of things. And from my understanding, like, they print money every day for anything they want to happen. No, so no, how does that no, work? No, no, no. I'm asking because I don't okay. know. <laughs> that, that, doesn't work, that doesn't work that way at the local level. Right. Okay. Uh, we get funds, when I say we, city council, mm -hmm. county commissioners. <clears throat> The funding we get comes from property taxes, okay. sales taxes, service and fees. When you pay your water bill, mm -hmm. your sewer bill, that's where our money comes from. So we have to look at that, and then we have to figure out what is going to be the budget, just like you run your barbershop. I mean, mm -hmm. you know what your expenses are. You know what you have to pay your people. Mm -hmm. uh, you know how many haircuts you got to make to bring that up, right, right. revenue. Mm -hmm. Same thing with city. It's a budget. Okay. So, you know, we can pretty much determine how much money we're going to get from property taxes, sales tax, et cetera. Then we go and look at the different departments, what they're asking for, and then we tailor that to be able to accommodate. What happens in North Carolina, we have to have a balanced budget. Mm -hmm. See, like you're talking about in, in the federal, they can run deficits mm -hmm. because they can print money. We can't do that. So we're required to have a balanced budget. So at the end of the year, when we do a budget, our revenues equal our expenses and a fund balance. So we never run a deficit. Uh, and, and how we how we fund things. Okay. So how did you earlier you said you you was a lifelong Democrat? Yeah. What? How do you determine if you become a Democrat well, or Republican? Uh, again, I as I said I was young. I mean, I mm -hmm. I, I, I don't want to get a line in my background. When I finished <laughs> when I finished high school, I was 16 years old. Okay. Uh -huh, right. And when I finished college at Howard, I was 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't paid a lot of attention to politics, but. When don't I feel bad then. Well, I'm, I'm telling you, I, that, that was the furthest thing from my mind. Right. But when I, when I was old enough to register to vote, mm -hmm. I registered. 
And at that time, I, the Democrats were what I thought I wanted to be. So I registered, and I just never changed. And I just got involved with the Democratic um, Party and politics throughout my my life as as an elected official. Mm. So some people don't register. Some people, right. some people, are independents. They choose not to register as a mm. Democrat or Republican. They choose to register as independents. In fact, you got a large number of people in the state of North Carolina that are independents. Mm -hmm. So what that allows them to do is when you have these elections, primary elections of Republican, they can declare at that time whether whether they're going to vote for Republican or Democrat, and they go ahead and vote. Right. But um, it's, it's, it's not everybody's registered. I, I'm not recommending that, but I'm a Democrat. I like people to register as Democrats, but, you know. So you're saying you went in, you just voted, Demo I mean, became a Democrat, registered yeah. a Democrat. Yeah, and started, started getting involved with the Democratic parties. I mean, for example, um, I tell you when I ran for mayor, mm -hmm. it's a nonpartisan position, which means you don't have to be a Republican or a Democrat. Mm -hmm. But because my opponent was a Republican, and I saw him one day, I was, I was sitting at home, a TV sitting on my couch, and you know how they show these steps, uh, people on Wall Street ringing the bell. Mm -hmm. I saw my opponent up there with Rudy Giuliani, who was president, uh, who was mayor of New York at that time, ringing the bell. I said, oh, what he's doing is associating himself with a high-level Republican, mm -hmm. although the race is non-partisan. So I, so I said, I got to get into the Democratic mode. Mm -hmm. and so that's when I brought in Terry McAuliffe, and we did all the Democratic stuff. But when... and. Terry McAuliffe at that time was a good friend of President Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. uh, we got He got Bill Clinton to do robocalls for me the night before the election. And back then in 2001, you get a call from President Bill Clinton saying, I'd like you to vote for Bill Bell. You know, it meant something. I mean, people get robocalls now. They don't pay right. as much attention to them. Right. So that, that was my other partner. And so when Barack Obama was running, I remember he came to Durham. And he met with about five or six of us down at North Carolina Mutual Life Insurance Company to, you know, talk about what he wanted to do. And I wasn't so sure about him at that time because, as I said, Bill Clinton had helped me get elected mayor. And so, and Hillary Clinton was running. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I knew more about Hillary than I knew about Barack. Mm -hmm. So I was just trying to fill it out. And I had a former college uh, schoolmate that lives in Chicago. And he told me, he said, the guy you got to watch out for is this guy named Barack. It's a Brock, yeah, Brock Obama. You better watch out for him. I said, okay, watch out for him. So when he came to Durham, you know, he made his pitch and we talked. And then later on, he was coming back to Durham as part of his campaign to speak at North Carolina Central University. Mm -hmm. And his uh, campaign called and asked would I introduce him. Mm -hmm. And so that set an awful lot because I was running my own campaign. I said, well, you know, what's he going to do for me? <laughs> <laughs> but the bottom line is uh, he came on Central's campus. Right. I introduced him. He said some nice things about In fact, that's when Thomas Sitt was running. Okay. <laughs> I was running Thomas Sitt. Right. So he, he said some nice things. And I, as a result, I stayed in his campaign when his campaign formed in, in North Carolina. A few of his campaign people happened to be Howard grads, and they knew I was the mayor. They contacted me, so we got, got involved, and, uh, you know, he got elected, and, during the whole time I was mayor, I, I had opportunities to be go to the White House and et cetera, et cetera, and okay. meet with some of his people. But. Well, speaking of that, uh, so reparations—that's a big talk. Yeah. Late. Uh, I know he didn't talk much about it or speak up for blacks as much in the White House as far as reparations, but he did speak a lot. I seen an, uh, an interview or something where mm -hmm. he—I think he said that. We deserve it, but he didn't really say it yeah. while he was in the White House. And some people say, well, he couldn't have said that in the White House. I'm like, why not? Well, he could have said it, but you, didn't think, you, you have to 
pick your places and times to do things. So, mm-hmm. uh, you can be like Trump. Trump say anything in the White House. Well, I don't know anybody like Trump. I mean, I, <laughs> that's that's a whole different story. Right, 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 right. I mean, well, I, I'm just talking about as far as vocal being vocal. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, Why don't you think he could? I mean. Said anything? I, I don't. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I never really gave gave that a whole lot of thought. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, it obviously is an issue and it's something that is being talked about. But mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not so sure why he didn't say. So you believe we deserve reparations? I, I think we deserve the fact that we went through an awful lot mm-hmm. as uh, citizens in this country, mm-hmm. uh, and we bared a lot of the. the the burden of this country growing, right. uh, and I think somehow that should be acknowledged. Now, mm-hmm. whether it's acknowledged through uh, reparations in terms of money or land or whatever, I, I think there should be some acknowledgement to that. Yeah, some people say, some black people say that they shouldn't give us money because we'll just throw it away. Well, I mean, that's uh, <laughs> I, I can't tell people how they spend their money. <laughs> right, but you think we should get it though? Well, I, I think there's there's a way to. I guess help make up for some things that that were done. We deserve, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And another thing, going back to your uh, when you said how you became a Democrat, I think that's the problem with a lot of people now. They're, they're growing up, they they just know their family members or friends are Democrat, and then they become a Democrat, but not really knowing why they are well, a Democrat. Well, again, I, I think if if you're really serious about it, mm-hmm. I, I think you need to make some comparisons in terms of what the leaders. And the Democratic Party are, are proposing versus mm-hmm. leaders in the Republican Party or any other party, right. and see how that best best fits into what your concerns are. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole I mean, you know think about health care. You know, when Obama was president, he pushed that. You know, they tried to denigrate it by calling it Obamacare. Mm-hmm. You know, to make it give it a negative tone. Right. But it's no question in my mind. It's, it's done a lot for a lot of people in this country, not just black people. Mm-hmm. And Republicans weren't supporting that. So, you know, if I'm sitting there and I'm saying, well, hey, you know, here's this guy talking about doing something that's going to be helpful not only to me but my people, and you got this other group saying, I don't want any part of it. Uh, if we do, they go attach all kind of strings to it. You know, people got, can't work and stuff like that. Uh, so, it, you know, it gives me a reason for making a choice. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you have to look inward as what's important to you as an individual right. and then figure out who's controlling those things and what parties are controlling those things and what are they saying about it that would make you want to, Support them versus supporting somebody else that's not doing that. Right. I I know one thing. It this vote thing will break up families and friends. <laughs> well, you know that that happens, but right. you know that's 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 life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me what a uh, super PAC is? Do you do you know? Have you heard of that? Well, the term super PAC means is it gets back to funding. Right. For for campaigns, mm-hmm. and you know sometimes groups come together mm-hmm. and bundle their money. Mm-hmm. for this particular cause or this particular candidate. Mm-hmm. And so they give the money to them. They call themselves a super PAC. Right. I mean, you, him, and three other guys can come together and say, we're going to form a PAC for Joe Blow. Right. Okay, I want all you guys to give us money for Joe Blow. Mm-hmm. And we're super PAC for Joe Blow. And uh, so we hand that money over to, to Joe Blow for his campaign. All right. Cause I, I was, I've been saying a lot of that. That's how, that's how actually stuff get passed in the White House, or you know, they had these super PACs who bring all this money together and say, hey, we want this done. Well, you know, that's, you have what you call lobbyists, mm-hmm. and lobbyists are professionals mm-hmm. that go and argue a certain point, mm-hmm. and they argue to, not, not only do they argue to people in the White House, they argue to the legislators, 
they lo- lobby they uh, lobby state legislators. They even come and lobby uh, local uh, elected officials, depending on what the issue is. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's just our form of government and the way things operate in our country. Mm-hmm. That uh, you, you you come together as a group and you like you're strong as a group to present your argument to whoever you want to present it to. And likewise, uh, if they need money, if you're able to give money to them, you do that. Now, it's up to the individual candidate mm-hmm. to decide what they're going to do. As an elected official, I always reserve the right to make the final decision on my vote. Mm-hmm. I mean, I listen to people. And I, in fact, I'm a very good listener. I don't do a lot of talking. Right. You got me talking more now than I normally do. But I pride myself in listening mm-hmm. because my sense is that I don't have all the answers. I have some of the answers. I know what I know and I know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. And if you're sitting around a table, whether it's a county commissioners or a city council, those people got there on their own right also, and mm-hmm. they have ideas. So I tend to listen, and I tend to step in when I think something should have been said that hadn't been said. Mm-hmm. Plus, I was a chairman because I could talk anytime I wanted to, right, so right. that wasn't, wasn't an issue for me. Right. Have you heard of uh, the book uh, Powernomics by Clark Anderson? No, I haven't. He was from, I think he was from Winston, too. But um, in his book, he says the segregation should have been have been about redistribution, wealth, power, resources, not social integration. What do you think about that? Well, that's, that says an awful lot. <laughs> it depends on how you define social integration. Uh-huh. I mean, does it mean that, you know, we should still have places in our communities where only blacks could live? Yeah, I think that's what he meant. Yeah, well, <laughs> see, I, I, I disagree with that. I mean. Uh-huh. I think people, if people have have the whereabouts and the funds to to purchase a house, they'll be able to purchase whatever they want if the house is up for sale. Mm-hmm. So I don't like redlining. Uh, if he if he meant that it shouldn't have been, we should have kept segregated schools versus integrated schools. Mm-hmm. I, I I disagree with that. So you know it depends on what he meant by social integration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in terms of reparations, again, it's about so you go give money back. How much are you gonna give back? Mm-hmm. What, what is, what's going to be the criteria? Mm-hmm. Uh, where's the money going to come from? And those are the devils and the details that have to be worked out. So up here it sounds good, but when you get into the details, it gets to be a bit more cumbersome in trying to implement it. Yeah, some people think we thrive, we did thrive more than just having a black community. Well, I've heard that, that, mm-hmm. you know, that you know, when things were segregated, we were a lot better off. I, look, I grew up in a segregated system. Right. Okay. I, I grew up when I finished high school in 1957 mm-hmm. and went to Salem, Atkins High School, predominantly black high school. Brown versus Board was in 1954. Mm-hmm. And Brown versus Board when they declared segregation illegal and you had to you know, integrate schools. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a segregated system. Uh, I wouldn't want to grow up under that again. I wouldn't want my kids growing up under that. Right. Uh, I, I, I told you I went to, to Howard to be an electrical engineer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only reason I went to Howard was I happened to have an assistant principal. His name was Togo West Sr. His son, name was Togo West Jr., who later became the Secretary of the Army. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how, but I, I said all this to say, he thought I was good in math. He had gone to Howard. He said, you ought to go to Howard and study, elect- study engineering. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the slightest idea what an engineer did. The only thing I knew about an engineer is somebody drove a train. Okay, <laughs> that's right. how far removed I was from, you know, what was going on. So, uh, you know, if, if I'd stayed in a segregated system, I, I never would have been able to achieve some of the things that 
I've been able to achieve, and a lot of people have been, and yourself. I mean, I'm looking where you're sitting now. (laughs) Okay. I mean, uh, I I can imagine that if somebody proposed having this system or this barbershop over in this area 30, 40 years ago, it wouldn't have happened. Right. So, um, but anyway, there there are pros and cons, but I I never say that I was better off when I was in a segregated system than an integrated system. I think what people can think about is that, that might have been more caring. You know, you, you hear the story about if you got a, if you got a beating at school, you got home, you got another beating. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the neighbor saw you doing this, they tell you when you got home, you, you know, the other neighbor would take care. There was that feeling of uh, familiarity, family, and I thought that was good. And I mm-hmm. still think that's good. Right. But not at the expense of staying segregated in your place the rest of your life and can't do this and can't do that now. Right. Mm. Well... So what, what? Tell me, what is UDI? What is that? What is? Uh, UDI stands for. Well, let, let me back up. Mm-hmm. UDI used to be the acronym for United Durham Incorporated, mm-hmm. okay, which was a for-profit organization that was started here in Durham to hopefully provide economic development, et cetera, in, in the black community. It started as a for-profit organization. It didn't do as well. They tried to do. They did modular housing. They had a grocery store on a one-way street up on uh, Markham on Mangum Street. Mm-hmm. That didn't go well. So they converted and decided to become a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So when they did that, they converted to a nonprofit, five hundred one c three nonprofit. They kept the acronym UDI, and it expanded to UDI Community Development Corporation. So that's what it's known as now, UDI-CDC. Mm-hmm. UDI doesn't stand for anything. When I said it doesn't stand for anything, well, okay. it's, it's just carryover from what it used to be. Mm-hmm. But the bigger thing is this UDI-CDC, UDI-Community Development Corporation. And that's where I work. I happen to be on, I was on the board when it was formed in 1994, mm-hmm. although I was still, I, I was on the board at that time. And I stayed on the board for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Then I got off. So when I retired from IBM in 1996, Ed Stewart, who is now deceased, was the president of UDI-CDC, and he's the one that really carried UDI-CDC through tough times and bad times and et cetera, mm-hmm. uh, asked if I would come on board as a part of the staff. And I had some other officers do some other things, but it was doing the type of work that I liked. I felt I could make a contribution. Mm-hmm. So I went on as the executive vice president, and I'm still in that position now, although Ed is deceased, and we're running that. And as a for-profit one of the things that we did where our home is now is in the industrial park of Fayetteville Road. It was a nine-acre, called it a pig farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was converted into an industrial park where you see buildings, that employment, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the food line down on Fayetteville Street, uh, we built that and okay. we leased that out to, uh, to food line because it was sort of a food desert mm-hmm. before that happened. We've done some affordable housing in the downtown Durham and et cetera. So, and we're still doing some stuff in the industrial park. So we're doing it under the guise of a nonprofit, but what we try to do is to improve the economic development, particularly in the communities in which we, we work and have, have businesses and have locations, mm-hmm. providing jobs and things like We used to have a program called Youth Bill, mm-hmm. and that was a program where uh, young people who, for whatever reason, had not finished high school, they came into this program, they were able to get their GED, but the real hook was they would learn to construct houses. So we built quite a few affordable houses under that program, and some of the kids stayed on 
and stayed in construction. Others did other things, but it put a little bit more structure in their life, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it made a difference. In fact, the young lady who's our administrative assistant at UDI now was in that program, and so she's now working for us as the, our administrative assistant at, at UDI CDC. Do you still have them programs? Or we don't. No? We don't have the youth bill program no. anymore now. We, we've had a variety of programs. Mm-hmm. As I said, we started in 19. 94 mm-hmm. so you know we're 50 some years old almost now but uh we, we didn't we didn't uh we, we don't have those programs now our, our main program now is managing the properties that we own mm-hmm. in terms of what we're doing with that you don't think you need to get them back no, re- you program? Uh, no, i'm not saying in fact uh, i think someone uh, applied and got a youth bill grant mm-hmm. uh in the city i don't know who they are but okay. it's just that again you have to know what you're your capabilities are right. Right? to to run programs like that. You have have to have staff mm-hmm. and a lot of things that run at that point now. I think uh, our biggest emphasis now is trying to look at the buildings we own and pop- possibly repurposing some of them into some other other entities. Okay. So you in charge of all these buildings going up around here? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. No, I didn't say that. No, not, not much. I mean, a lot of things happened uh, in the city when I was mayor, but uh-huh. it wasn't Bill Bell. It was it was the mayor and the city council right. that did these things. Because as I said, you don't do yeah. any of this stuff by yourself. Yeah. You know, we created public-private partnerships, worked with the private sector, pu- public sector, did things like DPAC, did like the loss at Southside, which used to be uh, Rolling Hills. I don't know if you know what that was. No. Uh, you know where Fairville Street is? You mm-hmm. know where Haytai Heritage Center yeah, is? Right. You know the apartment complex across the street from that? Mm-hmm. Uh, we developed that. Okay. Uh, and we did some stuff over on in Northeast Central Durham, what used to be Barnes Avenue is now. Eastway Village, uh, we developed that development, and we, you know, but we've done things by the city, and we've done things in partnership with the private sector and the public sector to do right. things. Uh-huh. I was glad to see you still getting around. You know, well, I, I enjoy it. Long time. It's, it's it's more at my pace now than oh, yeah. <laughs> somebody else's pace, but I I enjoy what I do, and uh, I've just been fortunate to be able to do it. It was fortunate to be elected, as I said. Nobody made you be an elected official yeah. and they, they, just like they put you in they can take you out so yeah that was a lot of responsibility for you to take on well again but i, I had the support and you know I, I haven't worked at ibm you know in the management of ibm i got a lot of training there that i was able to transfer to mm-hmm. the stuff i was doing in the, in the political side also so that helped right 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 well what's next just riding it out at udi oh uh, pretty much that's yeah you know, i'm on a few boards i'm on central's board mm-hmm. i chair the north carolina railroad board mm-hmm. which runs the from Charlotte to um, Moorhead City and the train track okay. and stuff like that. So, uh, so you just spread out everywhere. You doing everything? Well, not everywhere, not everything. <laughs> just, just, just a few things. But uh, you know, things I enjoy doing. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, I was glad to have you. Well, I, I appreciate, I pre- I appreciate you, you uh, offering me to come on and have have this conversation. Yeah, wish yeah, you the best. Yeah. You see, people need to know more about what you're doing. Yeah, I try. I try. I, to, I'm serious. Yeah. They, they need to know, especially young people. Right. Especially right. young people. I mean, you could be a great model for some of these young guys that are out in the street trying to figure out where they want to go, what mm-hmm. they ought to be doing, and uh, you got a life history that I think would mean a lot to them. Yeah, I'm trying to get out more in the community and, and speak. I got an engagement uh, in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. uh, somewhere, uh, mentorship program, Cornwallis, mm-hmm. I think it is. Cornwallis. Uh, so I'm going to go speak over there. But I'm trying to get yeah. out and do more. That, that was one of the good things I liked about when I was mayor and he was county commissioner, I had an opportunity to speak to young people. Mm-hmm. You know, they come to my office, I go to school and stuff like that. And and they had a lot of good ideas. I, you talk about things that they do. I can recall I was at some 
elementary school and kids were saying, why we got so many potholes in the street? When I'm in the, on my bus, the bus going through potholes. Yeah. I came back and I told my staff, I said, look, you know, people saying we got too many potholes. We need to do something about it. They put right. together a program they call Pavenator, right. where they start filling the potholes in the street. Mm. And I remember one, one kid, uh, his mother sort of teasing me about it. He used to say he had a skateboard. And he had to ride it on the streets, on the sidewalks. And we ought to have some better place than that. I, I was talking about people. We were at the skate park down, right. downtown. Uh, okay. That, but that came as a result of a young person raising the issue. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, you know, I was able to make some things happen on that. So we need to do that with the uh, new mayor coming in. <laughs> <laughs> Put a bug in his ear about some things. Yeah, I mean that's that's what it's all about. They right. they need to understand what your issues are. Right. Uh, so your issues can can become their priorities rather than their priorities becoming your issues. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but yeah. We still have a lot of people around here saying Durham don't have anything or they ain't doing nothing about this or that. You know. Well, you can Especially with that. the crime in the city and stuff well, like that. Well, It's still gonna happen. Yeah, I. I, I don't, that's a whole different story. Right, right, that's right. A whole different yeah. story. Yeah. But that was one of my priorities mm -hmm. when I came in, trying to reduce crime, mm -hmm. uh, as well as trying to uh, revitalize neighborhoods that have been distressed for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. And most of the neighborhoods were in the black neighborhoods. So yeah. that's why we did the things we did in Northeast Central Durham. That's why we did the stuff we did over on Fayetteville Street with um, the loss of South Side, which used to South Point, South Side. Uh, which used to be Rolling Hills. I don't know if you remember that. Mm -hmm. But uh, that was about 26 acres we, we the city, bought up and transformed it into what, what you got now. But it takes time to do those things. Those, those, we didn't get in those conditions overnight. Mm -hmm. You aren't going to get out of them overnight. Right. What people want to see is that you're trying to make some progress and moving forward, and that's what we were attempting to do. Right. Uh, that brought me to gentrification. Some people don't like... Uh, how can I say it? They say they say the white people come up here and clean the neighborhoods, take everything away, and push well, black people out and know where they live and well, things like 